Lauren Gunderson's The Book of Will has just opened at the Oregon Shakespeare Festival, where it is apparently the first original work by a female playwright to be staged in OSF's flagship Allen Elizabethan Theater. Regular listeners will remember that I spoke with Lauren last November of 2017 when I was playing Richard Burbage in the Midwest premiere of Book of Will at the Northlight Theater in Chicago. Lauren and I got into a slightly more spoilery discussion of the play, so if you haven't seen or read the Book of Will, you might want to do that before listening to this. morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it is, wherever you are. Thanks for subscribing, streaming, or downloading and listening to us on your computer or tablet or phone. I'm Austin Titchener, one-third of the Reduced Shakespeare Company, and you're listening to this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, number 601, More Lauren Gunderson. In the conversation you're about to hear with Lauren Gunderson, we'll be referring to the North Light Theater production of The Book of Will, directed by Jessica Thebus, starring Jim Ortlieb and Gregory Linnington as Hemmings and Condell, and in which I played Richard Burbage, publisher William Jaggard, and local fop Sir Edward Deering. On our very first day of rehearsal in Chicago, Lauren Skyped in from her home in San Francisco to talk about the play with the cast, and we begin our conversation here talking about something specific she said then. I thought I was going to ask you about a moment after you talked to us, Jessica asked, um, what did you guys all take away from that? And many of us wrote down the thing that you said, which was, I thought I was prepared for loss, I'm paraphrasing, as a theater person because I say goodbye to beautiful things all the time. That's right, yeah. And that was such a beautiful idea. But is, yeah. is, do you think that that's a thing that theater prepares us for loss? Or you hope it does and it doesn't really when it hits? <laughs> it's certain kinds of loss, I think. Because um, for those of you listening that are theater people or theater makers, uh, but audience members, too. I mean, a play never really comes back. You can remount it, kind of, but there's always going to be some difference. The the age is different. Um, so my whole life, I realized I was constantly building things and making relations that, that, relationships that I treasure. And it's so important. And it's so ephemeral. And it's gone so quickly. And one of my great writing heroes, Margaret Edson, who wrote the Pulitzer-winning play Wit, she has a great speech that I've heard her give a few times about this, that, that it's, um, it's so magical, the immediacy and viscerality of theater and some way that immediacy and viscerality is because it's going to be gone in an hour. Um, and so that that's life more than anything I've ever heard is the conversation you're having, the hug you're in the middle of the, the, this, this relationship, this moment is it's all fleeting. And we either, you know, fight that and brace against it and battle it, or you, you absorb that reality and move forward knowing that treasure, literally treasure every second you can. And also if something's going terribly, it's going to go, wait a minute, (laughs) it it too shall pass. (laughs) So there's good, good, good bad (laughs) Yeah. But I, I do think that that has helped me um, with certain relationships that, you know, certainly end or, or, or change, um, moving from a place to another place and death. Um, 
it, it also helps me practice memory as an active thing um, because theater, I still remember these amazing moments in theater that I've watched and theater that I've been in and theater that I've written that I will never forget. And that's good too. Human beings are good at, good at memory and certain types of memory. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I hope we can remain good at memory without having to document everything with the pictures and selfies and everything else. Oh, yes. Here, yeah. cheers to that. They do such incredible work at Northlight, and they did such a beautiful job last year with Miss Bennett, um, the play I co-wrote with Margaret Malcolm that Jessica directed. So it's kind of a bit of a reunion of sorts. Um, and this play is so important to me uh, to do it at a theater that's been so good to me and is so good at what they do. It's it's incredible honor and a pleasure. Well, I can just imagine it having a huge life <laughs> out, out in the regions and amongst community theaters and high schools. Yeah. You know, I think it's just because it is because of that celebration of theater and Shakespeare, I think. I, I certainly hope so. And I, I do. Um, uh, one of the things I'm most proud of about the play is this inclusion of, of female characters. And I've, I get asked sometimes, you know, how did you how did you find the character? Like, how did you invent them? Whatever. Um and, you know, I, I remember starting this puzzle and almost not writing it because I thought, well, this is just going to be a play about a ton of white guys. I just I'm not the playwright for that. Um, and then realizing, well, Shakespeare didn't. Shakespeare wrote Amazing Women. How did he do it? He must have known Amazing Women. And then reading um, Tina Packer's book, Women of Will, which that is the whole thesis, really, is trace, tracing Shakespeare's women from the earlier plays as a younger writer in which the female characters are kind of useless, let's be honest, to, <laughs> to Juliet and then Beatrice and Lady M and Viola and Rosalind. And oh my gosh, the characters just grow and deepen and, um, and become complex and hilarious and sexual and powerful and feeling like, well, if he could do it, certainly I can do it. And then doing a bit of the dramaturgy to figure out that their wives, um, both John and Henry's wives are very important to them. Henry's wife was actually, um, in charge of his estate um, when he died. So giving a woman that kind of power was very rare. So he must have really appreciated her in, in a, several different ways. And John had um, a daughter, Alice, which I actually wrote the part before I knew that John actually had a daughter. So I was like, I'm going to stick a daughter here anyway. Oh, good. There's one there. That oh. makes me look prepared. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll change her name to Alice. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I called her Rose eventually, uh, earlier. And then <laughs> I was That's like, oh, right. I'll just fix the name. And it makes me look like I knew this the whole time. <laughs> and, and, you know, been writing um, The Dark Lady based on Amelia Lanier-Bassano and, you know, really kind of digging into that, the opportunity that was really already there for amazing, important women's roles that, uh, although they are almost all of them related to our heroes, they they not they don't just support the hero, they challenge them, they push them. They're the energy, the catalyst for so much of the major action of the play. So it, it is, I hope, a chance to sneak some feminism <laughs> into a play that's not obviously feminist. So. Yeah, and 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 it makes all the sense in the world. None of it feels forced. Yeah, I, good. I, I mean, because Shakespeare has such great women, as you say. Um, I'm fascinated by, and we don't know as much as I wish we knew about Shakespeare's relationships to his actors. So, <laughs> so seeing depictions of Burbage, Hemings, and Condell is fascinating because oh, it's, yeah. it's just it's just it titillates me so but to see as you've suggested in book of will how the very very strong women in shakespeare's life influenced the very very strong women in, in shakespeare's plays mm -hmm. that's really a cool idea oh i love that idea too and that he yes he wrote great characters 
But he knew he had great actors to pull off these great characters. So yeah. Richard Burbage, you know, wasn't just some chimp. You know, he was a guy <laughs> who could play Romeo and Hamlet and Lear and play all these great roles. Yeah. I just did an interview with Sir Stanley Wells who made the wow. observation that Burbage's roles aged as he did. <laughs> they did, yeah. So Shakespeare didn't write Romeo for Burbage when he was an older guy. He wrote Lear for Burbage yeah. when he was an older guy. He also never asked Burbage to sing. <laughs> and, <laughs> and when he did, as Benedict, he made fun of it, of how yeah, bad a singer right. he is. He's like, I'm just going to save all of us from this by yeah. not writing you singing. But it's true. And that, I mean, honestly, is the playwright's dream. And I, I have, over my career, have found actors that I really can't write without at this point. It's not They're not for every play, of course, but this cohort of actors. I live in the Bay Area, so I have this amazing group of actors out here that I that really understand my work, that that can act as dramaturgs as much as actors. And that's just, that's uh, relationships to be treasured. Um, and I do treasure them. And I can only imagine for Shakespeare's company um, what that what those relationships were like. And I, I certainly feel like, because these guys kind of invented theater the way that we kind of know it now. I mean, that what literally wasn't indoors until then. Right. <laughs> and, you know, all of the sense of making it um, the, the business element of it, making this in high demand, it wasn't just pulling up a cart into a town square and jumping out and starting, you know, um, uh, a mystery play. It was this, you know, the, the promotion of it and the, the, the maturity of it. So in some ways, as they were all inventing it together, they must have just relied on each other. And I'm sure Burbage, in my imagining of him, was very much rewriting Shakespeare and saying, I'm not saying that you could do better. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know? Everybody yeah. going, I think I actually found a funnier way to say this. If you let me bring the dog on earlier or, you know, something like that. <laughs> right. Well, and, and, and Burbage always going, I need a break in act four. No matter <laughs> yes. which character I'm playing, I want act four off. Well, and <laughs> in another so book. True. That, That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. And in another book that I read, the greatest players in the world, uh, mm -hmm. um, it talks about Henry Condell being the guy who always lost in a sword fight to Burbage. <laughs> so he was Mercutio. He was Tybalt. That's great. He was the other Antiphilus. You know, yes. uh, Laertes. Laertes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, he He's like, been I'm Mercutio never going to win a sword fight, am I? Never right. going to win never, it. Never. And, and Burbage so, is like, nope. <laughs> Hi, this is Cynthia Ryder, Executive Director of the Oregon Shakespeare Festival, and this is the podcast for the Reduce Shakespeare Company. Where can you RSC the RSC? We have two more weeks of performing William Shakespeare's long-lost first play abridged here at the Pittsburgh Public Theater. We're here until July 1st, 2018. Go to ppt.org for more information. Pop-Up Shakespeare, illustrated by the marvelous Jenny Mazels, is on sale worldwide and here in the Pittsburgh Public Theater lobby. We've also posted our fall of 2018 tour dates online, and you'll see we're performing Long Long Shakes, The Ultimate Christmas Show Abridged, and The Complete Works of William Shakespeare Abridged Revised in Nagadoches and Austin, Texas, Winston-Salem, North Carolina, New Hope, Pennsylvania, Athens, Georgia, Tahlequah, Oklahoma, Pasadena, California, Saginaw, Michigan, Lynchburg and Harrisonburg, Virginia, Lewisburg, West Virginia, Chickasaw, Oklahoma, Columbia, Missouri, Stover, Vermont, and Livermore, California. 
And since I have you here, I'll let you know that in the first half of 2019, we'll be touring the complete works of William Shakespeare abridged revised in Wingate, South Carolina, Morristown, New Jersey, Lancaster, California, Idaho Falls, Idaho, Houghton, Michigan, St. John, Minnesota, Reston, Virginia, Appleton, Wisconsin, Lubbock, Texas, Amherst, Massachusetts, Flint, Michigan, River Forest, and Effingham, Illinois, and Norfolk, Virginia. And we'll also be giving two performances of William Shakespeare's long lost first play abridged in Los Angeles at the Broad Stage in Santa Monica, California. As always, the very best way to stay up to date about all of our worldwide performance dates is to sign up for the Reduced Reader, our email newsletter. Go to ReducedShakespeare.com and click on the link to subscribe and check out our touring page for specific box office, venue, and ticket information. And now back to my conversation with Lauren Gunderson talking about the creation of the Book of Will and also about certain production decisions. For instance, just before we went into tech rehearsals, I was asked to play Sir Edward Deering instead of the actor who was playing Ben Johnson. I think the change was made because his costume change was going to be impossibly tight and mine wouldn't be, but it also was a change that had some fantastic artistic ramifications as well. Thank you for allowing me to play Deering instead of Johnson. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was such an obvious thing. I don't know why I'd double cast it that way. But. Well, I, I, I know why. I mean, I get it. I got it. But then even as we were sitting there when we were talking on Skype in that early rehearsal, I was sitting there going, yeah, but wouldn't it be nicer if... Because from an actor's standpoint, I'm going, that feels like it completes the track. It's true. Yeah. I'm My so glad track. to have that arc back because it, it's it's the wonderful ma magic of double casting in a play where you're never quite not the other character you're you're all the characters at once in some way so even if we're like we know this is a different character same actor different character there's still a little bit of the other character's journey happening which is can be kind of beautiful well and and if Burbage uh inspires the need for the folio and the yeah. same actor plays the man who comes in and buys the first two so That's, great. And Isaac gets to hug, embrace hug the, daddy. <laughs> the, his daddy and the, the same actor playing a different character. I mean, that, yeah, again. It's really lovely. I'm that makes me sound super smart to have <laughs> planned all of that out. So genius. thank you for, <laughs> Gen thanks Lord for that. Lauren a most produced playwright, genius, and a heartbreaker, make men cry. <laughs> Indeed, that is that's on my tombstone. <laughs> um, as Jaggard, I said I gave the book to Isaac. Uh -huh. I distinctly heard people go, "Oh, oh, nice!" Which is awesome. Which means they were really, really, really paying attention. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Actually, that's one of my favorite moments. And that was in a later edition, actually, to have him, you know, instead of Isaac just kind of take credit that right. it's you know begrudgingly, Dad is kind of like. Yeah, all right, I'm going to do something nice for you, but really quickly. Really <laughs> We're not going to talk about it. There is a thing, I started playing with it, and I don't even know if it's right, because Jessica wisely spent a lot of time with um, Hemmings and Connell and less yeah. time with Jaggard. But I've been playing with this idea that when he takes it back from me, I will not run this the way you do it. I'm kind uh -huh. of going, good. Yeah, yeah. good. Fine. I love that. Yeah, so. I love that. That's we'll beautiful. See. And then I smash the compositor with my cane. Um. <laughs> Thank you.
That's it for this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast. If you can, get out to Ashland and the Oregon Shakespeare Festival to see Lauren Gunderson's The Book of Will, which is, which is playing in rep with 10 other shows through October 13th, 2018. Or if you can't see it live, I urge you to order a copy from Dramatis Play Service at Dramatists.com. I can almost guarantee that anyone who listens to this podcast will love it. Then send us your favorite Shakespeare fan fiction to feedback at ReducedShakespeare.com. You can also engage with us and other fans on Facebook or Twitter. You can find easy links to all these social networks at our website, ReducedShakespeare.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Austin Titchener, and the RSC is now on Instagram too, at Reduced Shakespeare Company. And you can follow Lauren Gunderson on Twitter also at Lala Tells a Story. Thanks as always to the balding lady of the sonnets, Matthew Croak. Web services by Ginger Power Limited. Music by John Weber and Garage Band. Our random fan shout out this week goes to John Doty. No reason, it's just random. Special thanks to Cynthia Ryder, executive director of the Oregon Shakespeare Festival in Ashland, Oregon. And thanks very much to you for listening. I'm Austin Titchener, 601, 1803rds of the Reduced Shakespeare Company. Well, this has been such an absolute pleasure and joy. And thank you for doing this podcast. It's so great for all of us who cannot get enough Shakespeare. So thanks. Thanks again. You are so welcome. And congratulations on not only your success, but being a successful playwright who's based in my hometown of San Francisco. Yay. Go San Francisco. Bay love. Yeah. yeah bay love. Hashtag bay love. I think of it as the city by the play. <laughs> That's what goes on your business cards. <laughs> <laughs> This podcast is a production of the Reduce Shakespeare Company. Reducing expectations since 1981. Go to ReduceShakespeare.com for performance dates, actor bios, email newsletters, and so much less.